Well, welcome back, everybody, to this issue of Called, Connected and Committed. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Tom Rees, the Executive Director for School Leadership from the Ambition Institute, to um, chat with us today. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Andy. Nice to be here. Um, we're going to open up, as we normally do, with our special guest reading from Called, Connected Committed. And in this, um, this episode, we're going to be focusing on the very important topic of interdependence. So over to you, Tom. Embracing interdependence. The early church that developed immediately following Pentecost was established through embracing interdependence inspired by teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The sharing was actual, not hypothetical. Goods and money, food, teaching and worship. Paul imagined his vision of community as one body with many interdependent parts. Each member is secure in who they are, confident, not envious or resentful, and understands that flourishing is reliant on their authentic interaction with other parts. This is a vision for cohesive and life-giving staff room, school, mat or diocese. It, is also, it also affects those with whom we choose to partner and how those partnerships are formed. There is always something to be learned, whatever our current badge or job title may say. As children grow up and mature, there is an interplay of dependence, independence and interdependence and a continual rebalancing of them in growing relationships. It is the great skill of the parent and the teacher to support these three dimensions and the emergence of maturity is the integration of dependence and independence with interdependence. Strong reciprocal relationships are at the heart of flourishing schools. The Gospel of John has a core concern with mutuality and reciprocity. Jesus encourages it again and again, teaching it in three ways. First, in practical action, he washes the feet of his disciples and says that this example is to be followed by them doing similar acts of humble service to each other. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Mutual service is at the heart of independence. This leads directly into the new commandment of mutual love that imitates him. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. Secondly, in relationship in the parable of the vine, in which his own intimacy and mutuality with those who trust and love him is pictured as the relationship of branch and vine. Abide in me as I abide in you, and the, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Service remains essential, but the mutuality has the quality of friendship, and the difference is made by shared understanding springing from the teaching of Jesus. Moreover, this friendship of Jesus is sealed by a love that is willing to sacrifice to the point of laying down his life. Most experienced teachers have been challenged to go the extra mile for their pupils, their colleagues, their school or their community. 
For an educational leader, the response to voluntarily sacrificial action should not only be gratitude, but also dedication to encouraging the sort of mutuality and reciprocity, which mean that those who risk giving themselves in costly ways beyond the contractual are warmly supported and protected. Finally, in prayer, Jesus prays to his Father, culminating in his desire for later generations. I in them and you in me, that they may completely one, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. It is a desire for our utter mutuality with God and with each other in love for the sake of the whole, whole world. This is a vision of the glory, peace and joy of God embodied in relationships, all energised by the free gift of God's love. In a century threatened by nuclear warfare, environmental catastrophe and much else, this can be an inspiration to give ourselves together as never before for the sake of life in all its fullness. Tom, thanks so much for um, reading that for us. I wonder if um, we could start, you know, start by just discussing anything that jumps out for you from that 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 passage. Um, thanks, Andy, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to to uh, to read and reflect on uh, on the work that you're doing and and the um, and the things that you think about within your schools. Um, I think <clears throat> one of the things that that I reflected on when um, when reading was about the uh, this concept of interdependence and how that manifests how that manifests itself in a school environment in in many ways uh, and I guess at a classroom level the kind of interdependent relationships that exist there and how a teacher would um, would think about that piece and would kind of see how how the classes develop over time and how children uh, sort of grow within the year that they'll they'll teach them and over the years that they'll teach them perhaps in in different schools and how different um, groups sort of form uh, among that time and I was thinking about teachers who describe their class and like the class as a singular uh, and how that class mm. um, develops over a year but obviously when they talk about that class that class is a uh, a singular description of multiple <laughs> uh, complex different relationships and kind of norms that all rely on um, uh, that interplay of dependence, independence and interdependence that you wrote within the, within the piece and the growing relationships and continual rebalancing. And then I guess I also thought a different level about how that might play out in a school environment with with staff relationships and how a staff body would develop over time and that same interplay um, and the continual rebalancing of, of relationships um, and how a, a head teacher or a senior leadership might describe the, the growth of the staff and how the staff body um, develops and works um, together at different times and in different ways. And then I suppose the third level obviously would take us up to, as you've signalled within the piece, the um, the interactions with schools and about how, uh, you know, in our world over the last 10 years now, we've moved from a, 
um, was, was a, quite a stable school system um, through disruption into uh, a world where there's a much more diverse group of um, a diverse way in which schools work together and the sort of maturation process uh, of that as well from sort of some early um, independent um, kind of disruptive uh, schools and now how kind of more um, uh, significant and uh, substantial numbers of schools work together and how lots of the relationships with individuals in those schools and then obviously between and across schools has, has developed and has matured over the last 10 years. So yeah, like maybe, maybe think a lot, as you can probably tell there, uh, about those three levels from the classroom up to the sort of inter interdependent relationships within a school and then on to look probably across the school system and not just with the schools and trusts themselves but also all the other um, actors and different um, uh, different parts of society that um, that work together in and around a school system yeah it's it's um that's really helpful thank you and what one of the things that um i guess you made me think about is the changing nature of the education system which although i mean that that the the vision that you've just given is 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 so inspiring and so um you know so motivating actually our system has not always been marked by interdependence is actually you know more frequently be char characterized by competition and and actually e even in the classroom you know to to say that our you know, our, our children's learning is interdependent is quite different from saying they're competing against one, one another or, or our, our school, you know, our, we value, um, you know, we, we value the success of the school down the road as much as our own is, is a genuine sense of interdependence. And it was actually quite challenging. You know, what, what, what do you think the kind of, um, you know, the challenges of this space are? It sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, the school. I mean, we've been in a schools market for for quite some time now, right? This isn't just the last five years or the t or the last ten years. And competition has existed, um, like in in many ways. My dad, who taught for sort of thirty years in a music school, will talk about even in the eighties the the place of the the school orchestra and the school choir as a as being used as a sort of a recruitment tool. Um, yes. So. You know the the sort of competition for uh, places uh, on entry into a school, and also for for results. You know, for a school's reputation, has been there for for quite some time. It's obviously been accelerated through um, lots of uh, publication of things like league tables and sort of um, more transparency on on data, and then some of the sort of the stakes that have been uh, associated with those and those levers. So there's no sort of question that the, um, like there are levers within the school system that lead us towards a, um, a world of competition. And I think that what's really important is that we balance out um, that along with um, uh, making sure that the the, the way schools work together and in collaboration, that, that those things are held together in, in a healthy tension and that it just doesn't become lopsided and that the system gets out of, um, out of balance. And I think, I think most 
certainly the, there's a kind of common narrative. Most people feel that the system has got out of balance a bit um, or, or, or more than a bit and that people find themselves um, kind of more motivated. Um, well, they find themselves in tension between um, being motivated to achieve different things and, and levers pulling them uh, in different directions. So I think it's really important that we always continue to, to reflect on that and to hold ourselves to account and to try and um, make more visible what might be some of the, um, the, like the tacit knowledge, the hidden assumptions that sit behind the ways that we, that we act and the, the decisions we make. Yeah, one of the things that we, um, you know, we've, we've sought to do in the, fa in the foundation is to try and build um, net networks of schools, you know, that, that kind of cross over boundaries of whether they're an academy or not, or where they are geographically, or what size the school is. And what we tend to, you know, one of the most powerful things that, we, um, powerful activities that when you bring, bring those networks together is just to, just to ask somebody to volunteer um, a an issue that they're wrestling with at the moment in in their school leadership it might be i don't know a staffing issue or a budget issue or a curriculum issue or something like that just to describe it very briefly and then um you know then we'd ask just anybody who's ever faced that issue to raise their hand yeah. in the room and 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 you know as you'd expect pretty much it doesn't matter what the issue is you know 80 90 of the hands go up and and there's, there's this kind of false um we, we when, when we're leading within a, a particular school there's this false um assumption or false feeling that we are you know our own situation is completely unique you know no one else would get it you know no one can understand the pressure we're under etc etc it's all it's all very unique when actually um that that the act alone of just knowing somebody else has gone through the thing you're going through is massively helpful even if they don't have the immediate you know replicable answer that sense of um, being dependent on one another for, for that kind of support is hugely helpful in a career that often makes you feel like you're quite isolated. Same, I suppose, if you're in the, you know, my, you, you know teaching's actually a very isolated profession for adults, isn't it? You spend most of the time away from your colleagues generally. And so that sense of interdependence is pretty important for a flourishing school, I reckon. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think you've sort of um, flagged a, uh, something that I think is um, kind of worth exploring a bit more, which is about this sense that you can often feel as a school leader um, that you are somehow dealing with, you know, things that are unique, that they feel like they're um, insurmountable or they feel like they're really really challenging and and maybe unique to your set of circumstances and you're right when you sort of share that about and see what other leaders are uh, are grappling with they're often losing sleep about the same things um and we've i mean this is partly behind the work that we've been doing at ambition over the last year to sort of look at what it is that are the sort of driving the things that drive the work of school leaders and where they spend their time and attention the most um <clears throat> and we we presented uh, what we call uh, persistent problems so seven persistent problems uh, of school leadership so this idea that there are universal things that school leaders are thinking about and working on that um that it is possible to uh, acquire knowledge and expertise and experience 
and then be supported by people who have also met similar problems um, in their careers in a way to help you respond uh, in a better way and to become uh, become more expert at being able to 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 manage those those challenges and I was a head teacher for 10 years and I remember you know the usual story it feels really common when I tell this story everyone says yeah that was my experience too of becoming quite a young head teacher um, and then facing all these challenges which I'd never met before all these problems and it just and really learning how to do it through trial and error so uh, you know mm-hmm. sort of taking three to five years to become any good at it and then um, one of the things that sort of motivates me the most about being involved in um, professional development training for leaders is can we help them to get there quicker rather than relying on on trial and error um, so in mm. you know if we think about lots of other um, areas where you might develop expertise um, if you're flying a plane or you're um, you know going to carry out an important operation and you definitely wouldn't let people just learn that by trial and error you 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 make yeah. sure that they've had like thousands of hours of practice uh, on that particular thing often um, replicated in simulated conditions somewhere where it's not actually going to do damage if you get it wrong and only then do you sort of let people loose on being able to do that in the real world where it's likely to where their sort of stakes are high um, and so I think about that in relation to school leadership and certainly my, in my experience, and it won't be everyone's, but I found myself in situations where I was asked to make lots of decisions that had a real impact on people's lives, both children's lives and staff's lives as well, quite frankly. And um, I think I, I could have been better prepared to, um, to uh, work through those problems uh through through sort of good support and advice uh because as you say they weren't new yeah. you know they, they they they'd actually been met by you know pretty much every school leader who had ever um gone before me yeah i mean that that's so that's so helpful to kind of share share out of your own experience one one of the um as many people listening to this will know um tom's written just this fantastic book wholesome leadership which uh, really really helpful way into um, thinking about school leadership, and one of the one of the chapters happens to be on interdependence, which is a wonderful coincidence for this interview. Mm. Um, but Tom, just just in that chapter, I just love what you're saying about the idea of synergy. You know that we're actually, you know, we see that in nature, we see it in cycling, we see we see we see this kind of sense that um, you know we are like being work. Being effective together is not just like a slogan for a T-shirt. It's actually yeah, it's actually yeah. true, and 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 actually we we. I, I wonder if you could just talk to us a little bit about that concept of synergy. Yeah, great. Experience. So synergy. Um, so you're you're right. Like it's a principle. Of, well, it's a principle that we see in nature as well as it being true in the way that humans work together. So synergy is the combined power of a group of things when they are working together that is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. So the sort of summary of this is that the the whole is greater than the the sum of its parts. Uh, And we see it in nature, so birds who sort of flock together and fly uh, when they migrate, they do that together because they're able to go further together because they they use each other's uh, uh, energy collectively when they fly and it uses up less less energy or we see it in cycling for example so when the peloton 
um, or cycling teams work together. Uh, they know that they uh, preserve 30% of their energy if they um, sit in the pack rather than being at the front and they swap in and out. Um, and so you see it in nature, we see it in kind of um, sporting arenas, and, and it's the same uh, in school where you um, you know that you're um, sometimes you need people to take a turn at the front and and people are kind of sitting behind. Um, it might be that that's because they've got particular skills or expertise that make them uh, more uh, more appropriate for them to be at the front. And it might be just sometimes that there are different and there's different capacity and different energy levels within teams. And that um, it's helpful other times for, for to do that as a, like a division uh, of labor. Um, so synergy is also one of the things that Stephen Covey writes a lot um, about. So in his kind of um, seven habits of highly effective people, which was my um, go-to self-help book when I was in my mid-twenties, he says that uh, synergy is what happens when one plus one equals 10 or 100 uh, or even 1,000. So the result of where two or more respectful human beings determined to go beyond their preconceived ideas to meet um, a great challenge. Mm. Uh, and I was also interested in your, in your piece, you, you write about the, um, the kind of maturation process so as you sort of grow and you become um, first, you know, so when as you were like a, a child, when you're when you're first born, you're very dependent on your uh, parents to do things for you. And then you sort of as you grow up, you get to a, a more independent stage of life where you're able to do things for yourself. Um, but then as you sort of grow up and you get to adulthood, you it's through independent work and the way you work maybe as a family and the sort of uh, how effective you are as a family unit or in your work, how you um, work in that interdependent way, that you're, that you're able to live better, more fulfilling lives uh, and in a workplace to be, to be more effective. And I think the same is true of, of leaders, that when you, um, as a novice leader, you are quite dependent. You, you need people to um, show you the way, to um, like allow you to have the knowledge that um, experienced leaders have um, so that you can become independent and then moving uh, through your career um, you expect leaders to become more interdependent to be able to sh share their knowledge to work together on uh, sort of cross-cutting um, priorities be it uh, within groups of schools or across groups of schools and the kind of networks that you've that you've described mm. that's that's really helpful I mean the, the the other just speaking of synergy, the other brilliant synergy of this chapter with um, what we've written about and called Connected Committed is is your um, drawing out of the idea of abundance, yeah. abundance thinking. It's just a really great, you know, just a great concept. As as you probably um, know, you know that 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 Church of England vision for education is is centered on this text life in all its fullness it, there's this kind of abundant life a richness a, di a diversity a, a breadth a depth rather than a just um you know a, a life that, that that's determined by whether we're in this box or that box and I just I just lo love the way that you write in here about um an, an abundance mindset um I, I just wonder if you could just talk us through that concept because particularly when we're facing big challenges um 
that seems yeah. pretty important in terms of our leadership and how we view our relationships. Yeah. One so, um, so the abundance kind of mindset uh, is the the antidote to what Stephen Covey calls the scarcity mentality. So Covey says the scarcity men- mentality is where um, people see uh, life as only having so much, as though it's just one big pie, and if um, someone gets a bigger piece of the pie, it means less for them. Um, so it sort of centers around uh, jealousy um, and um, it's based on a kind of zero sum paradigm of life. So um, Kobe s- says that people who have a scarcity mentality find it difficult to share recognition and credit, power or profit. Um, and they have a hard time being genuinely happy for the success of other people. So I thought about this in a in a school setting and how important it is for uh, for us to have um, like the abundance mindset where we see that there's enough success for everyone to go around and we stop seeing ourselves as in competition with others um, and we start seeing uh, ourselves as sort of partners in in the shared success uh, of others. Um, so those who with an abundance mentality are more likely to welcome competition, for example, or to welcome feedback and criticism because they'll see it as a way to get better rather than a, a threat. Um, and those people kind of with an abundance mindset uh, are less likely to be self-protective um, and, uh, and, and, and creep into the unhealthy competition um, that, that we see sometimes. So some examples of how that might mm. um, manifest is thinking about like the language. So um, next, you know, uh, I wrote in the book some examples of when when things are announced, like when, a, when a, the school down the road gets great results how do we feel instinctively about that do we feel defensive because it's not our results and we start to think oh you know they would do because this or because that or because the other or do we think well we're really happy for that school we know we know they've been on a journey of improvement we think that's uh we think we like we're really pleased for them and, and perhaps there's things that we could learn from that school that we could bring to our school that um that will help us all get better Another good example would be like within a school setting, if people get promotions or people um, have particularly successful, whatever it might be, if they get sort of recognised by um, by parents or by teachers or, or by or by school leaders, how do other people react to that? Do they um, do they think, oh, you know, well, they only achieved that because they had this opportunity or because they're favoured or I couldn't do that because I don't have the time? Or in a more abundance mindset, are we happy to say, you know, well, that's brilliant. You know, I know that person works really hard or I'd be interested to learn more about how they've achieved that as well. So, yeah, that's kind of taking that idea, which you're right. It's just a rich um, concept which comes through lots of the the, um, the learnings in, in, in the Bible and other religious um, texts uh, and then kind of written about um, by Covey in a like a, a sort of a management um, in the management literature and then applying it into a school setting. Yeah, that's great. It's so helpful. Um, and it's such that there's so many just really straightforward practical ideas for us to, to use in our, in our day to day to take that kind of a abundance mindset. And, um, you know, I really, I really love how you, sh- how you, how you shape that up and it, it, and it really does, you know, it does resonate strongly with, um, this idea of life in all its fullness that, that it's kind of crafted yeah. out of service, you know, 
this 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 example of like ultimately quite humiliating example in some ways of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples probably not something we'd necessarily hmm. want to do in the staff room most days but but nonetheless the metaphor and the model of that is it is is pretty important isn't it in terms of what interdependence fundamentally looks like because it because it it i don't know I, th- I, think, I think sometimes we can craft our relationships to think you know I, I i recognize that networking and relationship building is important but it's really self-serving because the more people i know and the more relationships i form the more i'll get out for my own needs when I, when actually the posture of the relationship you're talking about is actually saying not just what have i got to gain but what have i got to give and that that that, that creates the interdependence doesn't it because we're all yeah. we're all seeking to kind of offer something in as well as uh, as see what yeah we can and, it, and it's a kind of antidote i think to the sort of hero um paradigm so you talked before about the sort of sense that if you're not careful as a leader you can think that oh well all these challenges are really hard and you know they're just unique to me and only i can solve them and that sort of plays into the um the hero leader paradigm um and you're right there's the sort of sent- mm. the, the servant leadership or service leadership is the antidote to that which is that at its heart our role as teachers and leaders is one of public service so whether or not we're a, a, a mm. you know a maintained school or part of a trust or or, or what or a church school or a non you know non-church school ultimately we're all um we're all providing a service to society to to educate the nation's children and um and, and that's worth remembering and i think like one of the things in my first headship the uh they had the log books in the school safe um yeah and they went back to oh, really? the 19th century and um y- you know you saw lots of like very um uh very, like throughout the different periods of time you saw different contributions to those log books and uh, the school had been around since 1661 so it had a really rich history and one of the things that you saw was in the second world war the um the things that were written by the head teacher at that time in particular when the evacuees came up to northamptonshire from from london and how the school was you know, really changed and how school life was diff- uh, different. There were sort of, you know, much more significant numbers on, on roll. The school would open later uh, in the day if there had been an air raid the night before. Um, and there were also sort of through the, the different um, decades descriptions of where there were um, particularly uh, difficult illness that was going on in the in the village and how people uh, responded to that and it talked about sort of you know some of the deaths of the of the children and the families and so i think um trying to sort of in this in this sort of pursuit of trying to see school leadership as a uh, as a position of service it's also helpful to consider the history and the role and how in you know if you become a head teacher of a school or whatever or a leader within a school you're you're the temporary custodian of that school in a really rich um history and as part of um an education system and all the history that goes with that education system and its place in the local community and wider society 
Yeah, amazing. Tom, thanks so much for joining us this week. It's been so rich, um, an abundant um, insight into, into, into dependence. We cheer you on in all you're doing in your role and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Andy. It's my pleasure. Uh, all the very best to you and all your schools. Thank you.